Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I have a lot of different directions to go, and I, I spent most of my time just, Lord, what do you want me to emphasize? Where, you know, what do you have to say to them this morning? And I believe that I've got what he wants to get to you this morning. Amen? So let's read Acts 13.36. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, was buried with his fathers. You know that we're responsible for serving our generation. So what I have a couple things I want to talk to you about. And the first thing is I want you to recognize the season that you're in. How many of you all know you're going to be living in different seasons of your life? Everyone has. You go through different seasons. Amen. You might have the mommyhood season. You might have the working like crazy season. You know, there's different seasons, different stages of your life. And how many of you know God created seasons? He created seasons. He created, um, you know, I was sitting looking at the sunset the other night, and I thought, how this is so God. We've got all day, and it's, it's like where we are right now in the church age. And then we've got this most beautiful, beautiful sunset, but it's, it's only maybe 15, 20 minutes long. You get all the beautiful colors and everything, right? You know, that's like the massive revival that comes. And then darkness comes right after that. I thought, man, everything he's created just points to him. It points to what's coming. And I hope I'm, not, I'm sorry if I'm creeping you out. I don't want to creep you out by that. But there is a big revival coming. And there is a darkness that's coming. It's in the Bible. I mean, it is coming. But you need to recognize God's also given us seasons so that we see his faithfulness. We see, you know, he's always faithful. He's always consistent. Amen. But we need to recognize his timeline. And I want you to recognize in a large scale where we're at where we're at as a church, what season that we're in. And it's also important for you to recognize the season that you're in in your life. Amen. So that's the first thing I want to cover. The second thing I want to cover is have a practical understanding of all the tools that we have at our disposal to be effective during our season, during this season, season that's coming. Amen. It's super, super, super important. So David, he recognized, he was a man who recognized his season. He recognized that he had a job while he was alive during his time and he did it. He served his generation. That is for us. We need to be like that. We need to recognize and it. And everybody's job may be different. But it's a God-given job, and it makes everyone's job is just as important. Amen? I have a few statistics that I want to read you. They're really eye-opening stats that 
shows us right now where we're at as a planet with our population. So, like Pastor Greg said, he said he's a hollerback girl. Is that what he said? (laughs) Hollerback preacher. (laughs) He's the hollerback preacher. I'm the hollerback girl, okay? So... Don't get all quiet on me. Don't get all nervous. It helps me. It helps me be relaxed and get out everything that God's put on my heart. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. So when I was in college, you know how you have to take classes that you really don't want to take and you just like, whatever, you know, I got to check this off. Well, I had to take population statistics and I I didn't even know what that was. (laughs) I was like 18 years old. I don't, what do you mean? Like, how do you have a whole, like, four months of teaching on population? Like, and, you know, once I got into it, I'm like, okay, it makes sense. You know, there's birth and death rates, and it's all different for every country. You know, how fast the population's growing, you know, just, you know, there, there was a lot to it. But it was super, super eye-opening. So I have a few for you. It's, it's going to be eye-opening. It's not going to be boring. So stick with me. So, at the dawn of agriculture, about 8,000 B.C., that's before Christ, the population of the world was approximately 5 million. Now, to put that in perspective, that is like the whole state of South Carolina. But that's the entire world. 5 million people. Over the 8,000 period up to 1 A.D., it grew to 200 million Some estimate 300, even 600 million, but um, population statistics are a little imprecise um, in early historical periods. You know, it makes sense because how are they getting all this information? So some of that, they're not sure. Um, A tremendous change occurred with the Industrial Revolution, whereas it had taken all of human history until around 1800 for world population to reach 1 billion, all of human history to reach 1 billion. The second billion was achieved in only 130 years. That was 1930. The third billion in 30 years, 1960. The fourth billion in 15 years, 1974. And the fifth billion in only 13 years. During the 20th century alone, the population in the world has grown from 1.65 billion to 6 billion people. In 1970, there was roughly half as many people in the world as there are now. You see, we have mass loads of people on this planet. (laughs) And populations just exploded, exploded. Folks, we have a massive harvest. We have a massive harvest to reach. We have a massive opportunity. And we don't want to squander that. We need to make sure we're aware of what's going on. God handpicked you to be here in this time. This time. You. You who's sitting there thinking, I can't do anything. You were handpicked to be here now. You. You who thinks you've got nothing to offer. You. You have lots to offer. God wants to use you. Amen. So what does it take 
to reap a big, big harvest. You know, it takes revival. Or, I like this word better, it takes an awakening. And, you know, I heard uh, Reverend Randy Greer use that word about a year ago. He used the word, he didn't use the word revival. He used the word awakening. He said it's the first time that had ever come out of his mouth to describe what's going on. And I thought, I love that. I love that. Because how many of you know, there's a lot of people just on autopilot. They're asleep. They don't even realize what time it is, what, what's going on. They don't realize what's happening to their lives, what they're being controlled by. People need to be awakened. The church needs to be awakened. It, it goes for both sides. Amen. It takes an awakening of mass proportions to reach the kind of harvest that we have. So don't ever buy into the lie that you can't affect people for Christ. Don't ever, 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 ever. You know, you have all the attributes to be effective right now. All the attributes. Listen, you who live in the country, and listen, I know nobody's more country than me. (laughs) I came straight from Appalachia. Appalachian Mountains. Nobody's more chicken fried than I am. Okay? I'm serious. But I'm a mutt. I'm kind of like a sneaky little mutt. I also spent about 11 years in a big city. So I'm a really good mix. And you know what? God wants to use all of me. He's using both parts of me, my experiences. You know, even if you grew up and had a horrible experience, God will use it. He'll turn it for good. So... No one has an excuse. (laughs) Nobody. And your age. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. I'm not looking at anybody but myself. I don't care. God doesn't care. It doesn't disqualify him from using you. Everybody say, God will use me. Amen. He will use you. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5.11. I actually read this last week. This just goes along with what I was just saying. It says, we are well known to God. God knows you. He knows where you've been. But he knows what's more important. He knows what he put into you. And he knows why you're here now. Amen. So don't think, well, he doesn't get me. I grew up with all this baggage. Uh, Just zip it. I don't care. (laughs) Zip it. Drop it. Leave it. Move on. Because God's far, far bigger than any of that drama. Far, far, far bigger. Because basically you're saying, you're just disqualifying yourself. You're saying God's not big enough to use me because I had all this garbage going on and all this baggage. Nope, 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 nope. Just quit saying it. Quit saying it. He knows what's inside us. He knows... If, if he wants to move on us to speak, we can. Yeah. Amen. Now, sometimes before you uh, jump into a new season or before, you know, God's a preparer. He does like to prepare you. How many times has God tried to prepare you for something? You didn't do it. And then when that moment came, oh, you're like, oh, my gosh, he was warning me about this. He was telling me. He was trying to prepare me. If I had served here, I would have been prepared for this. And you're like, oh, 
why didn't I do it? God is a preparer. He will give you what you need. And I have some practical, but really good things for you to help you with, you know, I, it is a season coming up. I think that we're in the edge of it, of a mass awakening, a mass revival. And, and how's it going to start if it doesn't start with us? It doesn't start with the church. It needs, it's something that we sh- should be doing anyway. We should have a heart to reach people. But that's why I want to talk about this today. I also want to help you see. I'm going to, get, I'm going to read something in a minute that's going to give you a glimpse of what revival and awakening looks like. Because I want you to be stirred up. I want you guys to come in on Monday nights or when you're at home praying. I want you to realize what you are praying for. Amen? So the first thing before you jump into a new season or or if you just want to be more effective at this, the first thing you got to do is pray. So that's number one. 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. You should pray before you jump in to share Christ with someone. God's going to lay someone on your heart. Don't just blast them. (laughs) Don't just jump on it right away. Pray about it. Spend some time praying. You know, he'll, he'll help you. He'll give you the words to speak. He'll help you. And that brings me to my next thing, timing. Ask God, this is what you pray. Say, Lord, give me the right timing to minister to this person. He'll ask him, say, what do I say? You know when you have a heart for someone. And I listen, it, you don't have to have this like weeping, crying heart for someone to share Christ with them. Sometimes you'll have that. A lot of times you won't. A lot of times the Holy Ghost moves on you and it's very gentle. It's very subtle. And you've got to learn to just flow with it. You're just working together. There's not, you know, doesn't have to be dramatic. He tells you something, you're like, okay, let's go. Sometimes it's just that simple. But spend some time praying. Say, Lord, give me your words to speak. Tell me what you want me to say. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to the sin with all perseverance and supplication for the saints, And for me, Paul was praying this. If Paul had to pray this, we have to pray it. That utterance, what is utterance? Just the words, the right words to say. That utterance may be given to me, that the right words would be given to me. You need to pray and ask that, that I may open my mouth boldly. Ask God for boldness. You might know what to say, and you might walk right into the perfect opportunity and chicken out. God's got your answer. Pray for boldness. He'll work it out to where boldness will rise up on the inside. Amen? But you do need to ask. You cannot neglect these things in your prayer life. They're super important. Pray and ask God for a divine appointment or setup. Maybe you got someone on your heart and you only see them like this much at work. You know, if it's, say it's someone at work or you don't get an opportunity to see them a lot. Or when you do see them, it's not the right atmosphere to share Christ. You can get that taken care of too in prayer. Pray and ask for a perfect setup. Yeah. Amen? Good. 
he'll set you up. Um, Mia had someone on her heart, and she was like, you know, I really want to share Christ, and I want to invite them to youth group, but I don't have, she was telling me, she's like, it's just, it seems so, like, awkward, because, you know, they're always talking about video games or something, and it seems awkward to just jump in and be like, hey, you know, I want to know Jesus, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, I get it, yes, and um, she, I told her, I said, we'll just pray, pray for the opportunity, the opportunity will come up, and so she's talking with these kids, and they're doing their thing. They're talking about what they talk about. They're talking about video games. And all of a sudden, one of the kids is like, man, I need to get back into church. Came out of nowhere. Nowhere. Did she jump on that? Yes. She totally jumped on So God will make it easy for you. So there's another area where you got no excuse. <laughs> well, I never have opportunity. No. Ask God for a divine setup. He will set you up. Amen. So, number two, before you jump into sharing Christ with someone, use wisdom. Go to Acts 13, 13. You can't be like, well, I know what they need. I know what they need. They just need to pray in tongues all day long. They just need a healing. They just need, you cannot just blast somebody. You can't. You can't. You can't just get all sassy and maybe we had an awesome church service and you're on fire. You can't just blast somebody who knows nothing of what you're talking about. That's not being led of the Holy Ghost. Like, it's great you're excited, but you've got to use wisdom with what, what you know and what you have and what you're experiencing. Amen? Acts 13, 13. So, oh, before I read that, one of the things that Keith Moore always said and I love this. He said, it's not about what they need. It's not about what you know. It's about what they'll receive. You've got to keep that in your mind. What will they receive? What can I get them to receive? If, if they're terrified and they have no idea what the Holy Ghost is and praying in the Spirit, and because they're not born again, they don't know what any of that is. Maybe... You would not talk about that as the first thing. That would be wisdom. You know, you do what the Holy Ghost moves on you to do. But do what you, you know. He'll set up the situation. He'll set up. Um, I have a situation right now where someone needed prayer for their family member. And that was my road. That was my inroad. Praying for that family member. They had COVID. They were on their deathbed. The doctors had told them that it was over to prepare their family. And I said, well, every day this person would come in and say, what's going on now? And I'd say, okay, thank you. That is what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for this person. Thank you for giving me specifics. And they were super grateful. Well, I mean, this guy, complete and total turnaround. And this, this was a Christian person, but they didn't really believe in healing like we do. They kind of have that um, you know, when it's your time to go, you go thought that a lot of churches preach. And so it was a really big deal for her to see that there's power in prayer. God does still heal. You know, this guy's up walking around. He's, he's recovered, you know, 
Amen. So find, be looking for an inroad. If you're not paying attention, if you're not asking, you, you're, you're going to miss it because there's not going to be a neon sign. God just doesn't work that way. He's expecting you to be more mature than that. Amen. And you can do it. So Acts 13. Now, when Paul and his party set sail for Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia and John departing from them returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, let me repeat that. After reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them saying, men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. They were saying, you got, what else you got to say? Bring it, say it. You've, you've got the mic. Paul was honorable respectful. He came in on their terms. He used wisdom. He read the law and the prophets. Why would you read that? We've got Jesus. He should have come in there and set fire to the law. (laughs) That's what a charismatic person would have done. (laughs) We don't do this anymore. We got Jesus. No, he used wisdom. He came into the synagogue. He knew where they were at. This still meant everything to them. He came in and he read of the law and the prophets. He read their stuff. He used wisdom. He was a smart man. Use wisdom. Sometimes you got to come in on their terms. You know, um, I'm doing an FCA thing at the middle school. Probably have to cut this out of YouTube. And, you know, I'm going to do it in November. I'm not going to walk in and just tell these teenagers, half, half of the teenagers come to it because it's just something to do. You know, <laughs> it's not necessarily because they're Christians. I'm not going to walk in and start talking about, probably not going to talk about the Holy Ghost. I'm probably not <laughs> because I don't believe that that's wisdom. I'm going to come in and there's a whole host of things that I know they would love to hear that they're not hearing if they are going to church or the ones who aren't at all. There's a million things, a million things. I'm going to come in where I know they're going to receive. And you know what? It's going to open the door for bigger things. Amen. Let's see what happened when Paul did that. Acts 13, 44. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. That's what happened after he came in, read of the law and the prophets, and then he had the mic and was able to share Christ with them, that the Messiah had come. Almost the whole city came together. The whole city. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Oh, I forgot to read this. Okay, so what, here's an example of what, revival or awakening looks like. And I don't know if you realize this, but there's been things like this going on all along since Christ came. There's things been going on in different countries. I don't know if you realize the last five years, Brazil has just been on fire. I mean, it is a changed country for Christ. So there's always been things going on. 
but it's a, it, I believe it's a coming together of a more worldwide thing that is going to come. But this was something that happened. This was called the Welsh Revival. Has anybody heard of it in um, the UK? So in 1904 and 5, youth and children were featured in the Welsh Revival. You know that's on my heart. I love that. Youth and children. The key leader was Evan Roberts. He was age 26. And his brother Dan, he was 20. And his sister Mary, who was 16. So we got a 26-year-old, a 20-year-old, and a 16-year-old. Leaders came from around the world and were humbled to see how God used teens and children. Evan and others were not eloquent preachers but good followers of the Holy Spirit. One way to be better at this is through prayer. That's how you learn to flow and hear from the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm going to read it again. Evan and others were not eloquent preachers, but good followers of the Holy Spirit. We can all be good followers. I don't care what you're good at or not good at. This is something you can become good at. Amen? Evan Roberts had a goal of seeing 100,000 people converted in Wales. This was fulfilled in less than one year. People got converted just reading about the revival in the newspapers. Crime dropped off to the point where many courtrooms and jails were empty and judges and police had very little to do. Horses in the coal mines were accustomed to obeying commands that involved yelling and cursing. Since the vast majority of miners were converted, the horses were confused with commands (laughs) that were humane and wholesome. So the horses needed retraining. This is a byproduct of revival. Prior to the revival, Wales was in a frenzy over their favorite sport. Now, don't anybody get mad at me when I read this. Their favorite sport was soccer. With the revival, the stadium stood empty. No one preached against soccer. No one. I'm not preaching against it now. No one preached against soccer. The players and fans had simply become so captivated with the Lord They were no longer interested in the game. This is a small, small glimpse of what it looks like when it begins to happen. That's awesome. All those people getting converted just reading the news in the newspaper. That is awesome. These are, this is what we're praying for. This is what we're praying about. When Pastor talks about, or when Cindy Duvall was here last week and Lois, when they talk about praying for revival and awakening, this is, that's just a really normal, like a day-to-day glimpse of what it looks like. It's real. It's awesome. It's awesome to see the effects of it when God's moving. Amen. So I wanted to share that with you to get you stirred up. This is what you're praying for. Amen. So where am I at? Am I on number three? Oh, no. Before every revival and every awakening, words were prayed. Amen? So we talked about you got to pray, number one. Number two, use wisdom. 
You have to pray. Before Jesus came on the scene, things were prayed, words were spoken. This is so, so, so important. So, number three, desire the gifts of the Spirit. Desire the gifts to operate in your life. We pray that it, a lot of times that it operates in our church, but you need to desire that they operate in your life. Amen? I exhorted the teenagers about this. We were praying about EOBO night um, a few months ago, and right before I said, you know, we're, we're praying about who to reach um, at school and how to do it and who's on your heart. Make sure you're praying for them. And I exhorted them. I said, you need to be praying and be desiring the gifts. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. That's not just for ministers. It's not. Desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. You have to desire. You have to ask. You have to seek after these gifts to operate in your life. Well, what does that look like? It Sunita Duval was here, and she said it's so funny how she'll just start talking about something. She'll just start talking about strife. And, and, all. and then she found out later the couple she was talking about in front of them, they were having that problem. And it was utterance. It was God's words working through her. That's what it looks like. Supernaturally, you will know what's going on. You'll know. You'll have something come up and you'll be like, I don't know why I was even talking about that. But they'll know. Listen, 80, 90% of the time, they won't come and tell you. Hey, you read my mail. (laughs) Okay, I've had that happen. I've had a kid say, how'd you know I was thinking that? You know, because kids just blurt out everything they're thinking. But most of the time it won't happen. You have to just know and trust that it is happening. Okay? You, God will give you words. He'll give you things to talk about that will help people. And, and they'll, just, they'll know that God was speaking through you to them. But that said, you have to desire. You have to. God wants to speak through you. He wants to give you the exact perfect words at the right moment. He will. But you, you have to do something. You have to ask. You have to desire. You have to pray about it. You have to keep yourself stirred up. God will do his part. He will honor you. But if you're not even looking to have this operate in your life, it won't happen. You have your part to play when it comes to this. God's faithful always to do his part. So I just want to make sure you understand this is possible for you. It's not just for ministers. Amen? Number four, establish a relationship. And I know some people are more introverted. Hey, I'm one of those people. You can get beyond that. Don't, it, it, it's not as receivable to someone if you work side by side with someone and you never talk to them. And then all of a sudden you want to share Christ because you're on fire that day. It really is a turnoff to people. It really is. They're a lot more likely to receive if they know they can trust you. 
They know a little bit about your character. What is your character like at work? Who are you at work? I know that's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole nother thing, but you need to watch your character at work. Are you, you know, someone that doesn't show up regularly? Are you, this, are you the guy they hate because they have to cover your shift all the time because you're so inconsistent? These are things you can easily fix. If you have character, they're more likely to trust what's coming out of your mouth. They're more likely to receive. Amen. It also, how do you treat authority at work? That can affect your character. Are you always the guy that's saying, they ain't my boss. They ain't telling me what to do. Don't be that guy ever. It affects your character. And why are they supposed to believe in this authority when you've got no respect for your authority at work? It's important. It's important. Amen. First Timothy two, I exhort first of all that all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. Keep the right perspective over your boss, even if they're not nice. If they're truly horrible, guess what? God will deliver you. <laughs> Seriously, a lot of times they're not that horrible. You just got to get your heart right. Amen. You don't really understand a lot of times what all they have on their plate. Maybe they're not so friendly because they're super mad stressed, you know, and there's things you could do to help it. But complaining to your coworkers doesn't help. But like I said, if they're really, really, really horrible, God will deliver you. I trust, trust me on that. Daniel was an awesome example of this. Daniel 1, 11, and 12. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over, Daniel, Hananiah, and Mishael, and Azariah, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. That was their names that they gave him. This was their Hebrew names, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They were all, they were all in... I don't know what you call it. Slavery. They're, during this time, they had a boss. I mean, they were forced to do everything that they had to do. How did Daniel, when they came up to a situation that had to do with what they believed, were they just like, well, this just tramples on my beliefs and like real sassy to the boss? He didn't even do that. He respectfully said, please. He said, please, test your servants for 10 days. This is, he was trying to force them to eat or drink something that, that was not a part of what they believed. Please, test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. He was honorable with what he believed. He didn't get all sassy with his boss. He was respectful. He was honorable. And you know what the guys did? He said, okay. He said, of all those people, he didn't get mad. He said, I will let you do that. He granted him his request. He still stood up for what he believed, but he did it honorably and respectfully. It's important. Amen. And why is this labeled number three? I don't know. It shouldn't be number three. It should be number five, I think. Okay. Follow up. Follow up on someone if you've shared Christ. 
Don't love them and leave them. There are churches out there, that's all they do. (laughs) Don't. Don't love them and leave them. It's important. Follow up, you know. Don't. It doesn't, it doesn't look like you really care. All you wanted to do was give them Jesus and then you move on and you don't really care about them. That's not what, that's not what God does. He's interested in people. Follow up. Continue. If, you know, if you can, obviously reasonably, if you can, follow up with them. See how they're doing. Amen? You know, the workplace is potentially going to become more tougher, and it can be very complicated when it comes to ministering to people. But the truth is we're anointed to handle it, and we are here for this time. You are here. It's not going to be too tough for you. Amen? Esther 4.14. For you remain completely silent at this time. The guy was talking to her. I forgot his name. Relief and deliverance will arise from the Jews from another place. She had an opportunity to save her people. But you and your father's house will perish if you remain silent. And he was respectful to her. He didn't say, you have to do this. Shake yourself, lady. He said, yet who knows whether he says, you may have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. He's saying, I think this is your opportunity. I think that you were born for this. And was she? Yes. She spoke up at the risk of being beheaded, at the risk of dying. She risked it all, and she saved her people. She saved God's people. So remember, recognize your season. Recognize the season that's coming. Recognize the season in God's timeline. Recognize your sphere of influence where you're at recognize the times. Ephesians 5.15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Use wisdom. Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. There's no excuse. You need to know and recognize what your opportunity is, what the opportunities are, what God wants to do on a larger scale. We have no excuse. He says, redeem the time, not as fools. It's all over Proverbs. Get wisdom, get knowledge, get knowledge, get wisdom. It's everywhere. Get understanding. You need to seek after it. Ask God. He will grant it to you. Amen. He will help you in every way. Hey, and one of the last things, don't don't, listen, if, if, if you're like, I feel like I've been in the dark and I didn't realize what's going on, ask the Holy Spirit. He's your helper. Yeah. What do you do? It's like a personal assistant. What do you do? You ask him for help. Okay, can you do this for me? Ask him. Say, help, help me understand better what, what my sphere of influence is. Whatever it is you need, whatever it is you know you fall short in ask him. You know, I asked the Holy Spirit. I said, I don't have a good revelation of hell, of what it's like. I really, I don't. I said, can you help me have a, I want to have a better revelation so that I can be more stirred up to help people not to go there. And it was probably within a few days. Um, I, he reminded me of me and Jack went to Quebec a few years ago and Cindy has this big pond outside her house 
and it is like the blackest black of a pond. And we, she was like, go swimming. I'm like, okay. So we had like little rafts and I'm like, I didn't want to swim, but I got on the raft, but I, I stayed on that raft the whole time. And it was very lovely. It was nice. There were ducks floating by and the weather was beautiful and I had a great time, but I was not getting in the swim. Jack got in and he swam a little bit and I'm like, Oh, you're crazy. Like it creeped me out. Just the thought, like I would look down and she told me that, that, that lake or pond or whatever it is, it was like, you know, 40, 50 feet down. It was very deep. And I mean, I can't see, I I put my hand under just a little bit and I can't even see my hand. It was so dark. I mean, I don't know what's under there. It, it really, really, really creeped me out. And I just for like a split second, imagine like falling off that raft and then just sinking down to the bottom. <sighs> just sent shivers up my spine. So he reminded me of that day when I was having those thoughts. And I was like, that's it. That, that, that's it. Just sinking down into that, that blackness. Like, literally scared the hell out of me, (laughs) which is a good thing. That said, we don't want to bring people to Jesus out of just scaring them, you know, but there is a real hell and there is a real heaven. And you know, God never created hell. He did not create it. It's the devil's playground. That's his place that he created, that he's got going on and there ain't nothing really created to it. So, listen, don't sweat the people that don't recognize God or their need for him. You're going to minister to people and they're going to say, no, thanks. No, thank you. I just ministered to a boy this week. Old enough to understand. Gave him the whole spiel about Jesus. And I said, I got to the end and I said, you know, if you die because it was it was it wasn't this cut and dry I mean he had talked about like his grandma that had died or something and so he he understood it wasn't too heavy for him he understood death and I said when you if you have Jesus and you die and you go to heaven you know and you can see grandma again or whatever and and I said does this sound good to you does this sound like something you're interested in and he said no I don't want to do that and I was like oh crud he said Because if I die, I want to go to the hospital. You better call the hospital. (laughs) I'm like, forget it. (laughs) I'm moving on. Like, it just was not comprehending. Kids in, anyway, he was in like third grade. And and kids in third grade are fully able to get born again. But for some reason, there was a disconnect. You know what? I'm not sweating it. I'm going to move on. You're going to have people who point blank say no. I've had people say no, just no, not interested. And then I continued to pray for them because they were still on my heart. God knew there was a chance. He knew. He knows. He moved on me again and gave me the opportunity. And this kid, I mean, one of the wildest, craziest kids at our school, got born again. So, but don't sweat the ones. Just, just move on. Amen. So, pray. Use wisdom, desire the gifts of the Spirit, and expect them to operate. Believe that they do. When you ask, they will. You may not always know it. Sometimes you will. 
Sometimes, a lot of times, you won't even realize. But just say, thank God, they're working. I have his words. God's moving through me. Four, establish relationships. Five, follow up. Don't love them and leave them. Amen? So that's everything I have for you. Um, I hope it stirs you up to pray more about revival and awakening. Especially after seeing a glimpse of what it can be. I mean, how awesome. How awesome. God's got, he's got just amazing things. And there's so many amazing changes, things that we hadn't even thought of um, that he wants to do for us. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.